And by the way, you know, when you're, when you're telling these little stories, here's a good idea. Have a point. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell, a double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy weekend to you. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour and working as always, or typically on a Saturday, that would be Nathan Miller. Tall guy, Nathan. How are you today, sir? Good morning, Gary and Suzanne, and happy weekend to you, too. And from the West Coast to the East Coast. <laughs> okay. And do you have a favorite president for President's Day? Ooh, uh, probably Abraham Lincoln, I gotta say. You know, we just got oh, a dog, a uh, and her name is actually named after uh, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, and her name is Abby. Couldn't oh, quite find oh. an Abe for a girl, so we went with Abby, and she was born on Abraham Lincoln's birthday, too. Well, I, who, knew, who knew when I asked the question? My my favorite would be Thomas Jefferson because I was born on Thomas Jefferson's birthday. April oh, how about 13th. that? Yep. And of course, President's a- Day is celebrated yeah. on George Washington's birthday. So we're getting all these it's, it's days with birthdays. It's supposed to be, but I think his birthday is the 22nd and we're a little off of that. Because mm-hmm. I think that President's Day is actually falls on a Monday every year. Right. But well, yeah. now it does. But when, when I was a tiny tot, the uh, we had one day off for Lincoln's birthday and one day off for Washington's birthday. We had two days. Mm-hmm. And those were the only two presidents that got days off were Washington and Lincoln. And then um, they wanted to celebrate more presidents. But as, as our number of presidents grew, they said, oh, we'll just celebrate all the presidents. <laughs> pick, a pick a day and we'll do it in February when we used to have the day off for Lincoln and Washington. Is any of this sounding familiar to you, Gary? Sure. Okay. It does. And, you know. Do you have a favorite president? Oh, you know, for me, it would be a composite president because I can find a lot of good in Barack Obama, who I would yes. say ranks as my favorite, yep. certainly in my lifetime. But uh, you know, you, you catch me at the right time. Uh, right time, I'm going to say some good things about Nixon. Okay. Nixon, people at Watergate. Oh my God, Nixon! Nixon was a lot of good things in addition to the things that are most regrettable and caused yes. his downfall. Right. There, he was a fallible human like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. There, but he also, uh, you know, brought China into the modern world. That's no small achievement. And mm-hmm. achieved a, that detente balance of power with the, the Soviets and the Chinese we had to contend with, even as he was trying to extricate us from Vietnam by way of a Cambodian incursion. There was a whole lot going on, folks, yes. and a lot that we didn't know. Well, and then you have Barack Obama, who it seems to me yeah. tried to do right by everybody, which is a great way to tick off a whole bunch of people because you can't please everybody. And you had a, a party that mm-hmm. made it a matter of political strategy to frustrate him at every turn and oppose him, even on things that they formerly supported themselves, just because Obama was trying to push it through. This is the world we live in. And I'm told I'm told that even after, like after Obama, things took a turn for the worse. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I hadn't read that. While other people say <laughs> we had paradise for four years and well, you had to turn him out of office by rigging the election. Well, we, it was fraud. We will celebrate President's Day on Monday, whether or not you're celebrating every president. In the meantime, we want to talk to our friend today. 
Maybe she has some good presidential stories. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. Why don't you do her introduction and let's bring her on. Absolutely. And we're going to have word about a wonderful class that she's going to be teaching. There, It's how much of a workshop it's going to be versus the class. The presentation itself is, I'm happy to say, not entirely clear to me because I want something to discover. And we will talk about that when we come back from our bottom of the hour break. During the marketing pieces, we like to call it. In the meantime, let's say hello again to our friend Colleen Foy-Bolin. She is a professional writer and award-winning author at that. She has published hundreds of articles in national and regional publications and a how-to writing book, Shorts, A Gateway into New Markets. Spirituality is an intricate part of Colleen's daily life. Dream work. Meditation and prayer help her navigate everyday situations. Colleen is also a Jinshin Jutsu Jutsu. practitioner and owner of a healing arts practice called Flowing Stillness. That one I could pronounce easily. Flowing Stillness, (laughs) combining her years of teaching with decades of writing. She conducts workshops about writing, spirituality, and creativity. Colleen lives in the Pacific North. The PNW. That's right. And so mm-hmm. we welcome her. This is like four or five times. This is her fifth visit with us. Outstanding. According Colleen Foy Bolin. Delighted to have you back, my dear. Thank you. So nice to be back. Yes. Colleen, I, I have really come to appreciate your writing style. I have done a bit of writing myself. Gary's done some writing. And we have read completely wonderful books and we have read completely awful books with terrible grammar lots of typographical errors that were just like hard to get through and somehow people thought they really needed to write what it is that they wrote when I read your book I love the way you write it just flows so beautifully and the book we we talked about last year and I said we want you to come back and and do it again with us is called Savoring Life's Moments. Now, I see I didn't even get it right. Savoring Life's Spiritual Moments. Yes. The subtitle is The Alchemy of Transforming Everyday Experiences into Life-Changing Events. And the subtitle is actually pretty critical. Transforming Everyday Experiences into Life-Changing Events. Because it seems like with a great deal of awareness, that is exactly what you have done. You have taken a lot of things that people just pass by, ignore, don't see. You've looked at them and you have allowed them to change you and to change your life. And that's why Gary and I have become really big fans of your book and, um, as Gary says, it's all about the stories. So we've chosen some stories for today. Gary and I will have things to say about some of these stories, but you are the master storyteller. And so the first one that we would like you to talk about is a story called Blind to Happiness, a really great story with some wonderful outcomes on it. So why don't you go ahead and tell that? Okay. In this story, I'm 24 and I'm working with um, preschoolers to infants who have handicaps. And that's what I do in the day. And at night, um, I go home to this miserable situation where 
my live-in boyfriend and I are separating, but he hasn't quite left yet. And I am stressed. I am miserable. I'm just so caught up in my head um, that it, it's a joy to go to work. And one day when I'm at work, this little boy, two-year-old named Rich walks in and he had been born with hearing, but because of uh, bacterial meningitis, he lost his hearing and now he was deaf. And his mom and he uh, were depending on me to teach him sign language. But in order for that to happen, I needed to learn sign language. So I started taking classes at night, which was like a double bonus. I got to um, be able to help Richard um, learn sign language. And I got to be away from my house, which was a horrible place to be. Um, and I was doing this for a few months. And then I saw on the bulletin board at work that there was going to be a blind deaf camp for a weekend. And I had never worked with blind deaf people, but I saw it as a way to improve my sign language skills and again, get away from home, which was key for me. So I volunteered and, and I drove down on my VW bus bug and the whole way down, I was just stirring in my head about how awful my life was and how I didn't have what I wanted. You know, I didn't have the one true love and I didn't have money to pay the full rent once um, Jim moved out. And I finally, I got to the camp and I found the office. I went in, registered. And it was so interesting because there were people, lots of people in there and they were all talking with their hands and it was completely silent. Mm. It, wow. it felt like I had entered a new world, you know, that I had never experienced in that way before. And it was time to do activities with the different people there. And I uh, chose to go on a shopping trip. And so they paired me up with this woman named Dorothy, who had long hair and kind of a brownish outfit. But the thing that really struck me was there was no joy in her eyes, no smile on her face. And we were introduced and I, I signed into her hand my name. And it felt so intimate that I, I didn't really want to do that very much because it, it didn't feel comfortable. So I just sat next to her. And again, went on in my head about how horrible my life was. And at one point, Dorothy kind of gets my attention and she signs to me, um, can you hear? And I sign back, yes. And she says, can you see? And I sign back, yes. And she says, with certainty, you must be so happy. And, and it was like someone took my breath away. I just... I realized that I had been focusing on the wrong things and I had many things to be happy about and grateful for. And, and I was so appreciative that, you know, I, I, I thanked her for, you know, for saying that. I said, yes, yes. You know, I'm, I'm very happy. I just, I just didn't realize it. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah. That was a great story. You were um, you were on a bus to take uh, the group on a shopping trip, and in your story, you say it was a, it was one on one. So there had to be as many people helping the deaf blind as there were people going. 
it, it isn't like you could take care of four or five people. I mean, it was, it was a very intimate situation. Yes. It and was. You, you know, your, your book is full of these stories. And, and I've said to Gary, I'm not sure I've met a more adventurous woman. She <laughs> has done so many things. You have tried so many things. It's like, you don't say no to life. You say yes to everything. <laughs> And, uh, and I thought that was, that was one of the, one of the best things, you know, just not realizing everything that we have. I have a a girlfriend who does a a lot of work with um, disabled, mentally challenged adults and things like that. And she says every single time she works an auction or drops off gifts or does anything like that she has a brand new appreciation for all that she has. Mm-hmm. And it, somebody once said to me, I, I read it or heard it, I, I'm trying to remember that, you know, whenever we're feeling a little bit blue, the best thing to do is to go volunteer. I mean, I've there's always that. somebody yes. that needs some help and it gets you out of your own head. Mm-hmm. That goes. So, yeah. Colleen, you know, it seems to me that you are one of the people that I laud for your ability to have experiences on the basis primarily, not entirely, but mainly on on the basis of your willingness to have them. You're familiar with the saying, aren't you? I let my willingness be my worthiness. No, I'm not familiar with that. That's uh, in uh, some metaphysical circles, including church circles, where Suzanne and I spend some time. You will hear that every now and again. I let my worthiness. My willingness. Or my willing. No, wait a second. Now, were you willing? Are you worthy to have your willingness? How does no, that, you're, if you're, you're willing, willing you're and willing. you're worthy, what's your willingness worth anyway today? <laughs> I look at the stock market. I see what the numbers are doing. Let my uh, willingness. I let my, 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 it's not so much that I'm worthy of this. Don't get the wrong idea. I'm not sitting here bragging, but I let my willingness be my worthiness right. to experience the things that I desire. Mm. Once you say you're willing, the universe gets to work. Very interesting. You think about that for a long time. Yes. And you get to have the experiences that become the moments that you savor. Well, and, and you know, the other thing when you talk about willingness and worthiness is I have looked from time to time because I've been in various organizations where they want a, a leader, you know, they, they have a board, you know, they need a president, a vice president, um, people to head up committees, people to do things. And when I was much younger, I thought that those people had some very special skills or some very special training. And as I got into middle age, I said to myself, it is only the fact that they said, I'll do it. It, it is that willingness that makes them a leader. Most people don't want to step up for the extra responsibility or what if I don't do it right or, you know, yada, 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 whatever the excuse is. And so I, I discovered that leaders are just people who say yes, because most everybody would rather be fed than do the feeding. And so, you know, most people will sit on their hands and no, 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 that's not for me. I can't do that. 
but in leadership, it's the same thing. Leaders are just people, ordinary people who say, yes, I'll do that. And sometimes it's just handed to you and then you grow in office, as they say about some presidents. Colleen, what do you think about being in a situation where you were called upon to be extraordinary? You're called upon to be a leader, perhaps a visionary. And yet that wasn't in your game plan. And yet circumstances are put upon you sometimes, or you find yourself in the middle of a situation you couldn't anticipate. And that is a call to action and to dig deep to find out more about who you really are. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I found that to be true a lot in my life. There are things where I certainly never, I never intended to be a writer. I mean, I didn't set out to be a writer. I had little kids and I saw in a magazine that came with baby diapers um, that there was a meeting for writers and you could bring your kids. And I thought, oh, there's something we could do. (laughs) And it turned into a profession. I mean, I kind of see myself, I kind of like trip and stumble into things. You know, I'm willing to go and try things out. And then that turns out to be like very, very important in my life. Like maybe my profession or part of my profession or, yeah. So I'm, I'm always running into that where, oh, I didn't expect to be doing this, but here I am. So let's do it well. How many people have you met where you say they may be doing brilliantly in a career and you go, wow, you were born to do this. And they go, no, I kind of fell into it. I've heard that (laughs) one before more than once. Yeah. Well, what do they do with it? Because whatever your challenge is, at least potentially, the seed of opportunity is inherent in your circumstances, no matter where you find yourself. Right. Yeah. And in this writing group, these women were so powerful. I mean, their kids were clean and fed. (laughs) The women were hitting deadlines. I wanted to hang out with them. And they said I couldn't hang out with them if I didn't write. So I had to write. I love that. I love that. And hence a career. Another one of your stories that I was looking at was smiles for grandma Foy. You start out my dad's mom, grandma Foy was a grouch. That's the first sentence of that story. And that got my attention, but there is much more to the story. So please tell us that one. Yeah. So I saw my grandma Foy, who was my dad's mom as a grouch. Um, She was a tall German woman, willowy, and she had tight gray curls. And when we would come over as a family, the kids were always told to go into a different room and the children were to be seen and not heard. And I thought that was a declaration of her saying, I don't like kids. Um, But as I grew up, I learned that she was this amazing, loving caretaker She took care of um, her two kids, and then they were grown. Um, Her daughter um, had a baby, and a month after the baby was born, the daughter um, contracted polio, and then her husband deserted her, and my grandma stepped in to care for all of them. Um, And so she got her daughter on her feet, and she moved out, and then her husband, my grandpa, had a serious stroke. And he, when he came back home from the hospital, he couldn't walk, um, he couldn't feed himself, and his speech was very garbled. She was really the only one who could understand. And she was his nurse 24-7. I mean, she did everything. 
Um, so where I was seeing this grouchy person, here was someone who was devoting her life to other people. And, and then when I was in college, my dad sent me this little faded newspaper clipping about my grandma. And apparently she was the first person to open a, a secretarial service, kind of like Kelly Girls in L.A., and she did that for a number of years, even after my dad was born, which was pretty unheard of back um, in those days. And so, I mean, she was this powerful woman who set her own trail and helped people. And, you know, when she was called on, she stepped right up like we were talking about people doing. And I realized that, that I only knew a little tiny bit of the iceberg of her life. And it kind of reminded me of how easy it is to, to judge someone when we don't really understand um, very much about their life and, and why they are the way they are. And you don't always mine that information to find out. And as it happened, um, you know, you did find out in, in your book, Savoring Life's Spiritual Moments, got it right that time. Um, you have so many stories. I didn't, I didn't count them, but there has to be 60 or 70 stories. They're, they're all relatively short. There's a few longer ones and there's quite a lot of, of shorter ones, but after each story, you have a little section that says, make it your story. And so after this um, story about Grandma Foy, you say, have you ever made judgments about someone that you later regretted? It is very easy to judge people by their immediate behavior, and you really don't know what's going on with them. You don't know what their life has been about until you get to know them better. We have a particularly grouchy neighbor where we are, and um, Gary took an opportunity one time just swimming in the pool to be asking and asking and asking her about her life. And finally, she reveals that her husband had killed himself mm-hmm. at home with the children at home. With her in the next room. With oh her in the next room. And, and so here she's been living with this, you know, for decades. And her wow. children blamed her in part for what their father did. So her children don't even want to talk to her. Oh, and- now, what's important to recall about this, and Suzanne brings up a perfect example here, yeah. is that I was in the pool trying to swim a few laps, just trying to keep up with Suzanne, who's an excellent swimmer there and our neighbor comes over and spontaneously she opens a dialogue with me about her recipe for potato salad (laughs) so if you take that as the premise of the conversation how to make a really good bowl of potato salad and where we ended up in the conversation I understand two things I understand why she wanted to keep the conversation superficial because this is something that neither Suzanne or myself could have intuited about her. And the second thing is I came to have empathy, to understand yes. her as a person who had gone through something you wouldn't wish on anyone. And yet she had to carry on. She had to deal with that and carry on with her life because she wasn't that old when it happened. Mm-hmm. This is 
This is to say, if you want moments worth savoring, and they're not always savory, these moments, they're important. You've got some beautiful stories in your book. All of them are wonderful. Right. But there are those stories that maybe aren't to be savored. They're to be heard so that you can incorporate them into your understanding of other people and your desire to develop empathy, to be fully registered in the human race. And sometimes that means a painful memory is shared, and then you get to put that into perspective. That conversation is one that I've never regretted, though I do wince when I think about all that she had to endure when she just came out seeing two people in a pool and wanted to talk about potato salad. <laughs> but I didn't want to talk about the freaking potato salad. You capiche? That was not on my menu. There. And so instead, I got to know someone that I had already known for a few years at a deeper level. Right. And that was what made it all worthwhile. I had a college professor once who said, um, everybody's doing the best they can in every situation. And she was teaching us, uh, we were working with um, children with handicaps. And, um, but I found that to be true of, you know, so many people. And it took me a lot of years to really kind of grok it and understand um, what that meant and what it meant in how you treat people that you might not understand where they're coming from, but you can still offer them grace and kindness for, you know, their pathway forward. Yes. And, and that's, again, that's what I like about your book because you, you stop after each of these stories and say, you know, have you wrongly judged somebody? Has somebody wrongly judged you? And so you, you ask questions and have people think about the lessons from the stories in a way that makes it very, very personal. Mm -hmm. I want to go ahead and take our break just a minute and a half early because there's a lot more stories that we want to get to on the other side. Plus, we have a little bit of an announcement when we come back from our break. So please stay with us and thank you for listening to Manson Mitchell on Alternative Talk AM 1150. We'll be right back. Colleen Foy Bolin is offering an exclusive Zoom class on savoring life's spiritual moments, Saturday, March 5 from 10 a.m. to noon. This Zoom class shows you how the sacred art of storytelling moves you forward on your path and brings inspiration to others. Your everyday experiences can transform into life-changing events when looked at in a new way through Colleen's creative exercises. You'll discover that enlightenment grows in your own backyard. Colleen is offering this two-hour class at the very affordable price of $20. To register, go to sarasotacenteroflight.com. That's sarasotacenteroflight.com. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. 
Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed the happy medium, Jody Levon. She connects with the other side brilliantly, and yes, she will be taking calls in the second half of the show. On Saturday, John Welshans, author of One Soul, One Love, One Heart, returns in an encore presentation from last year. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Self-help, healing, spirituality, and more on Alternative Talk, 1150. From the summer of love, 1967. Absolutely. Fantastic. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell. We are talking with Colleen Foy Boland. She's the author of Savoring Life's Spiritual Moments, The Alchemy of Transforming Everyday Experiences into Life changing events takes a little bit of awareness to do that but it can be done and if people would like to get your book or would like to find you online colleen where would they do that they can get my book on amazon or independent bookstores can also order it uh, and they can contact me at colleenbolin.com ColleenBolin.com. Remember your double L's. Right. Two L's (laughs) in Colleen and two L's in Bolin, and you should find it pretty easily. Um, The way that you write these stories, savoring life's spiritual moments, you said there are 60 of them. I hadn't counted, but I believe you. And with these 60 stories, there is always this little section about make it your story And it is such a great way for people to look at the events of their lives, get a new perspective, look at how it has changed their lives. And Gary said, wouldn't that make a great workshop for people? And so we got together and we figured out, yes, it would. And that workshop is coming up on... Saturday, March 5. Yes. March 5. And I was going to give the time and then I realized I didn't remember it. <laughs> one thing well, I meant to look up. It's Go 10 a.m. my time, Pacific. It's 10 a.m. Yeah, well, you're teaching it, so we're going to take your word for this. <laughs> okay. 10, 10 a.m. And we made it that way. It's two hours from 10 a.m. to noon. And we made it that way. In order to have our West Coast peeps participate it's on zoom you can be in australia right i don't know what hour that would be where you live but the idea here is this is a wonderful book it has a principle that can be followed by anyone who wants to having attained whatever degree of wisdom 
might wish to incorporate it in their spiritual path and the authenticity of their daily spiritual practice. I think yes. it, it, it builds spiritual muscle, Colleen. That's one of the things that I take away from your book. People have been through this stuff. You think you're the only one that suffered? You know, yeah. and people overcame that. They transformed their suffering into a meaningful life. How did they do that? How did they come in to a hateful situation and get out of it with a feeling of love, a feeling of compassion? That takes experience. It takes the willingness and then you have the worthiness to have such experiences. So let's go ahead. And from you, Colleen, if you could just lay that, we'll take a minute here. That we'd love for you to sign up. Suzanne and I are already signed up. We are signed up. We are going to be in Colleen's Zoom class on Saturday, March 5, from 10 to noon Pacific time. And to sign up, and she's she has agreed to a very reasonable price for this two-hour class of $20. I would say 1995, like they do on TV, but it's actually a nickel more. It's $20. We made it the even 20. But no and tax. Where would they go to sign up, Gary? You can go to Sarasota Center of Light, which has a Zoom presence around the world. People from all over attend our services, our classes, our special events. Suzanne and I, in the interest of disclosure, are members of this center. Sarasota Center of Light. We have... Um, we have an essence to offer and a wide reach thanks to Zoom. That was one good thing about this pandemic. It put us yeah. in touch with magnificent metaphysical people from around the world who we might not otherwise have ever known or even heard of for that matter. Right. And now we have Colleen Foy Boland, who we is do. becoming a part of our community in her own way. We so, are looking forward to this and we would look forward to having you with us that day as well. So if you would like to join Colleen and Gary and me and a whole bunch of other people, we have not yet maxed out. So there's still room. Go to SarasotaCenterOfLight.com. Give them a call. And if you go register. online, you actually register you can, online. You can register online easily and it is only $20 and it's going to be very, very worth it. And another thing. And I believe me, if it turns out not to be the case, I will take it in hand personally. I happen to be a board member of this spiritual center. If you are getting spammed, that is certainly not our intention. And no. I think the probability of that is exceedingly low because we right. have our protocols and we have our ethics there. So please don't go to, to sarasotacenterofLight.com thinking that you're going to enter a spam farm because that's not who we are and that's not what no. we do. But if you want to have a magnificent time taking this class and learning from Colleen Foy Bolin and maybe making some new friends in the bargain, well, you and your $20 purely fundraising because Colleen has said, this is my first time. I'm going to do this and I'm not going to take any money. I want this to be a fundraiser for your church, your center. It's about the metaphysical spirituality of the sort that you hear from us all the time. So you're getting into bed, spiritually speaking, with the right people if you are attuned to the kind of things we present. And we'd love to have you join us. We will we see would. you there. We'll see you there on Zoom. Colleen, and one of the things that I really like about the, the workshop, if I can interrupt for a second, please, is that the way when you talk about how you and Gary read the stories and then together talking about it, you came up with, you know, different ideas and could yes. play off each other. And that's what the workshop will do. I mean, I think it's very powerful for people to be able to read the book and then turn the stories around and have it be about them, which is the key to the book. But 
to bring in other people's ideas just enriches it. And it's kind of like a popcorn popper where everybody has ideas going. Yes. I think it makes it a lot richer. I do too. It'll be two hours very well spent. And in the meantime, just to uh, tease everybody about what they might hear when they're there, why don't you tell the story called cocooning? Well, it was a it was a beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest, and I had the opportunity to be with family and friends that I had not been with in a while. And you know, when I woke up that day, instead of delighting in this prospect of seeing everybody, I just felt this internal pull to stay home and nurture myself. And alone time is pretty was pretty much a rarity at that time in my life. And I oftentimes could just be so busy doing things or helping other people that that I would not take time to tune in to where my energy tank was, whether it was full or empty. And and today it was purely it was feeling pretty empty. And so um, I decided I would sit for a moment and I would visualize myself going to the event. And then I would visualize myself staying home. And the feeling in my gut for staying home was just like, oh, yes, this this is what I need. And so I told my family that that's what I was going to do. And I, I, I stayed home and I just kept that time for me. I didn't do any housework. I didn't do any work work. I didn't answer the phone. I just did whatever I wanted to do for three hours. And by the time, you know, my family returned, I felt so rejuvenated and able to be present with other people. Um, And my tank just felt so full and I felt so comfortable within myself um, that I, I realized how important it is to have that time, alone time, and how important it is to, to pay attention to our internal barometer of, you know, is this the time to be with people? Is this the time to be alone? And it's important for some people more than other people, because some people get energy from being with other people. And for others, it drains them to constantly be around people. When we read this story, it uh, it reminded Gary of a job that he had for years. Oh, when I managed apartments, I was in that business for 13 years. But for four and a half of them, I was in Tukwila at a place called Cottage Woods, a lovely setting. It's still there. And I had the sweetest arrangement that lived in my imagination for years. And then finally, it manifested and it generated a lot of stories. I had my office, I had my computer in there, I was a resident manager. So being in that setting, I could get up from my office, lock the front door, go through a side door, take about four steps, and I was in my bedroom. Or I would hang a left and go down the hall into my living room or my kitchen. I was living where I was working. My commute could be measured in feet. And, you know, Seattle traffic, from what I understand, has only gotten worse from what it was around 2000 there. So in the last 22 years, it's been getting more and more hectic. And I was able to get around that situation where some of my friends would be complaining, oh, my God, after lunch, I had to go back to work. And then 
They were jammed on Kennedale Hill. I just don't understand all this. What are we going to do? I decided I would opt out of that. And so cocooning for me meant imagining a lifestyle in which I could be paid well enough. And I had my rent folded into my compensation. That's something I really wanted. I had free cable and internet. That was a perk. And I was able to avoid the commute altogether. And so I thought, this is pretty terrific. And it just reminded me of this fundamental notion that if you desire something, and it's a legitimate desire that harms no one, I mean, you may be in a competitive situation and you got a winner and a loser. I'm talking about no harm to another living soul. You can experience the kinds of things that become the moments you savor. But it starts with an idea, one that you can endorse with some positive emotion behind it. And then it's as if you flip the switch and the next thing you know, the creative forces of life, of the universe, begin to conspire with you to make it happen. I've experienced that countless times throughout my life, even when I didn't know it was happening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We were, we've been watching reruns in the evening of the uh, multi-award-winning show Schitt's Creek. And last night's episode was uh, in part about um, the daughter, Alexis, always going from relationship to relationship and never alone and always talking. She's one of those people who really can't be by herself. She just has to be constantly with other people. And she she was getting advice from the uh, manager of the motel where she lives, a, a gal named Stevie. And Stevie's just sitting behind the desk reading a book. And Alexis goes in to ask her about her life. You know, don't you, don't you have a need to like go out and have people compliment you? She said, <laughs> <laughs> and Stevie said, no, I'm not interested in, in what the people around here might have to say to me. And Alexis is making this inquiry of Stevie and Stevie says, finally, I like my own company. I chose this job. I have this job because I get to be here alone and I like my own company. Well, liking your own company was not anything Alexis was very familiar with. <laughs> But she actually spent the evening alone when she was invited out to a bar um, with Stevie and her brother, and she stayed home. She stayed home. She cleaned up her room. She, you know, put on a face mask, went to bed early and was by herself. And as, as this story is unfolding, Gary says, I really get Stevie. I really get what she's about. Because for her, she needs that bit of cocooning on a very regular basis for her to feel all right. Mm -hmm. yeah? yeah, absolutely true. You claim your space. When you're cocooning, mm -hmm. you are claiming your space. And that leads me to ask you, Colleen, have you, at least from time to time, or perhaps you do it consistently, have you created what might be called a sacred space? I mean, are you the type to build yourself an altar? where you go and you have per, perhaps personal objects that have a hallowed feel, or you light a candle and you do your prayer and meditation, you can create your sacred space 
instantly once you make the decision to do it. And all of these items become available to you because that's the universe getting behind your good idea. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do have a lot of altars. I probably have at least seven in oh. my house. <laughs> I was thinking I, one. Yeah, seven. Start with but one. I, I have my uh, healing space, which I'm in right now, where I do the healing treatments, and it has crystals all around it, and um, candles, and yeah, a lot of things that um, offer that kind of comfort. And I have where I meditate, and yeah, I have a lot of those little spaces around. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's when you were talking about people, you know, some people need quiet and some people need action, you know, during this time of COVID, I think we've really seen, um, you know, who's on which team, you know, yes. um, yeah. you know, for me, I'm kind of like, oh, I have an excuse now not to go out. Yay. You know, yeah. <laughs> on one hand, not totally, but, um, yeah. and I have a friend who's just a very extrovert, you know, is like when they're stressed, they, they need to be around people. Right. And so it's been harder um, than for me. It, yeah, for me, it's just kind of um, where I feel comfortable. Yeah, I made up a list of projects at the beginning of COVID when I realized we were going to be locked down. I called my list the COVID-19 projects, <laughs> and I, I now have more than 19 things on the list. But I started out with 19 things I was going to do, and they were all home-based, a lot of little painting jobs and fix-it jobs and stuff like that. And Gary said, I'm finally going to get around to my personal reading because we do so much reading for the radio show. And he said, now I'm going to, I'm going to read some books that I've had here for a long time that I really want to read. And so he dove into reading. I dove into projects and, um, and, you know, we, we have managed better than I think some people who have felt that isolation pretty acutely. Mm-hmm. There's one more story that I would like you to get to, and we have time for it, and it's called The Silver Birch, and there's something to be said about that, too. So tell us the story about The Silver Birch. Uh, Robert Frost said one could do worse than be a swinger of birches. So um, I had a new neighbor move in years back. And when he moved in, kind of some sad news came with him. He told me that he was going to cut down this birch tree that was at the south property line on his side. So he definitely had the right to do that. But I really loved that birch. I had watched it grow for like 17 years and saw it through the seasons. And also, um, I had a special connection with birch trees uh, there had been a time when I had a herniated disc and I wasn't able to walk or drive or hold a book and I wasn't good at watching TV. Um, so I, I spent the summer a lot just sitting in the backyard watching this big birch tree. It was different than the one my neighbor was going to cut down, but I, I really felt this big birch helped keep me fortified during the, this hard time in my life and and once I was able to walk a little bit, there was a birch at my nearby park that had a little, almost like a bench built into the branches, the way the branches formed. And I could sit there and rest and get myself back together to make my way home. And I just really treasured what these birch trees had given me. And I, I was 
surprisingly sad that this birch was going to be cut down. And so I, I called a friend of mine who knew about trees and I said, you know, is there any way I can help this tree, you know, before it gets cut down? And she said, well, maybe you could go out and, and tell it, you know, what's going to be happening. And I've always believed, you know, that animals and stones and trees um, have a life force. And so for me, this was not a strange concept. Um, and so I went out and, you know, I first I told happy stories about how I loved seeing it grow up. And, and then I said, but I got some sad news, you know, they're going to be coming and they're going to cut you down. And it might be good if you take your life force and leave before the cutters come. And, you know, it didn't hang its limbs and it didn't shake and quiver in fear. So I, mean, I don't know if it was a message I could get through to it. Uh, but I kept going out and talking to it. And, and I told the other birches around who, you know, had helped me that summer when I was ill. And I said, you know, if there's any way you can communicate with that birch and let it know what's happening, I would appreciate it. And then the day came when uh, the tree cutter was coming and my neighbor came over and said, gosh, you know, I've been called away. Um, can you take care of this? I was like, oh, man, I, I really did not want to be doing that. And thankfully, the neighbor came back before the tree cutter um, came. But when I heard the tree, you know, cutter, I mean, it's a big truck, so you can hear it coming in the distance. And, and I ran out and I, you know, to tell the tree, you know, this is it, this is it. And, and there was just kind of a, an energetic shift. I mean, it just felt different. There was like a vacancy where there had been like energy in the tree. And I could tell um, that, that the life force had left. Uh, I had been with my mother-in-law in the hospital when she was dying. And, you know, there was her life force, her spirit one moment. And then there was not and total shift. I mean, you can just feel the difference. It's just like um, something has vacated. And the same with my father-in-law. He took a breath in, and then he never released it. And so there was like this absence. And, and I felt that same thing when I was in front of that tree. And I, and I knew that the life force of the tree had left. And the, the woodcutters came, and they, they took down the tree and ground it up. And, and then I went out to see what, what this looked like. And... And it reminded me of, uh, again, of losing the loved one and how sometimes their absence just seems so large and, you know, can kind of fill your life for a while, you know, not having them there, their absence is, is so big. Yeah. So that's my well, story about it, the birch. Yeah. It, as you write in your book, our lives are intricate, intricate intricately intertwined with the world of nature and that is also true for me is that you know I feel very good in nature I like working in the yard I usually get out about once a week and pick up leaves and pull weeds and trim back bushes and do things and I enjoy being outside Gary reminded me that at the end of our sidewalk that leads to our pool, that there were twin palm trees. 
And when we were sitting in our living room, we would always see these twin palm trees. In one really severe storm, one of the trees got hit by lightning and killed it. And so we had to have the landscaper come out and take the tree down. And there's a small stump at the ground and the other tree is still standing. And when he reminded me of that, I said, you know, it was very strange for a very long time to only see the one tree left instead of the two trees that were together. And so when I read your story, you know, on the surface of it, you know, who is this crazy woman talking to trees, but (laughs) at another level, I really do get it, you know, that, that nature and trees and plants and bushes are all a part of this life with us. In fact, what would this life be without them? That would be very, very strange, you know, to be on a planet that has nothing but dust. You know, we enjoy these things and these things are a part of our life here. And so I was then glad that we had read that story and wanted to talk about it, that that healing property of nature, I think is pretty magnificent. And the fact that maybe we could send it the other way and, and tell, you know, nature, we're thinking about you and we love you. Heck, we might even try and fix our climate change problem. Speaking of big projects. Yes. (laughs) Were we? I (laughs) I just wanted to read this very quickly. Why is it important to be conscious of implications, to be mindful of what you do? You're talking about the birch. Mm -hmm. How about the bristle cone pine? In August of 1964, Donald Rusk Curry killed the oldest tree ever to this day. There has still never been an older tree discovered. It was a great basin, bristlecone pine, and Curry supposedly didn't mean to kill it. You're going to cut it down. I don't know what you're intending, but he was intending to do research, actually, but supposedly he didn't mean to kill it, but he did. It was an accident and one he didn't really understand the ramifications of until he started counting the rings. The tree, which was at least 4,862 years old, was cut down. It was possibly more than 5,000 years old. And there a graduate student and United States Forest Service personnel as well were along to cut down this tree for research purposes. Well, I hope the research was worth it because you don't get those to grow back to that size over a weekend or with an extra barrel of water or whatever it is you're using. So to observe the beauty of nature and to honor it, go together, it seems to me. Right. Yeah. We hope that many, many more moments will end much more favorably uh, and worthy of being savored. Savoring life's spiritual moments. Colleen Foy Boland, thank you, my dear, for joining us. We got to go in a hurry. Join us March 5, SarasotaCenterOfLight.com for Colleen's workshop. Absolutely. We'll do this again, Colleen. Have a great week. Thank you for having me on your show. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned for Jupiter Rising. Talk to you next week.